I'm Osvaldo D'Alonso, and you're listening to the Sound of the Loom podcast. afternoon or evening depending on when this finds you welcome to the sound of the loons podcast i'm steve mcpherson and i am positively delighted to be joined once again by callum williams back in the fold ready to roll cal how was your holiday it, it was very good thank you mate i'm uh, feeling a little bit awful right now lots of coughing and spluttering and sniffing but that's time that, of the year isn't it's it you the know season for it yeah um no it was very good thank you i spent the majority of it down in in kansas city with my wife's family and um yeah, it was it was really good. A lot of the uh, festivities that you would expect, and um, you know, I I made a real conscious effort to stay away from soccer as well. Yeah, I think I might have watched a Serie A game or something sure. um, whilst I was down there. Um, Stop talking to your phone. I don't know. Siri. My phone is playing up at the moment. I don't even know why. <laughs> it's on silent, and it's still Siri's still interested in the conversation. But um, yeah, so no, it was good, mate. It was really nice to to just relax and. Um, as much as we love this game, as much as we love what we do, um, sometimes it does just feel good to just get away. And um, I didn't even watch anything on, on Boxing Day, nor Premier League, just just nothing. I just completely stayed away and, um, yeah. you know, came, came back very, very refreshed. There's, there's a real value to that um, that I think, I mean, I think in any, I, I've grown to appreciate it more, um, now having of you know having had a full time job for a couple of years now and um and also just that gradual awareness that I think everybody is getting that this way that we have made up of working which is sort of valorizing never stopping is just not healthy no <laughs> and that it's it it makes you better at your job to take time away from it in order to sort of recharge and do other things and not to sort of constantly be have that little voice in your ear that's like the, is the thing that you're doing. Like you, you need that time off. And I, I myself find I, I tend to also sort of shut down, um, you know, looking at soccer stuff that much. I sort of I'll, 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 I'll plug into MLSsoccer.com every once in a while and check out, you know, people who are moving around and things sure. like that. But when it comes to this time of year, when like training camp starts and you're, you go back to training, it feels great because you've taken some time away from it, because you haven't been watching soccer. And I think that's, uh, it's tremendously valuable. No, it is. It is. And, and, and there is, there is an obsessive nature about what we do, isn't there? And yeah, I, I think, uh, I, 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 I am happy to admit it. I am obsessed with what I do. And, um, you know, I, I, I agree with you. But I don't think that's necessarily healthy because I should be obsessed with my wife or whatever. Sure. And, and not that I'm not, but I mean, you know, it, it's, I mean, I'm obsessed with your wife. <laughs> <laughs> who, who wouldn't be she's wonderful um, <laughs> lovely woman lovely woman um but i, I uh yeah i i during the the off season as well and, and and just before i came back into the office i was doing a lot of you know like i said it was great to have the break but as soon as i knew it was sort of the right moment to get back in i sort of dove in about as deeply as i could and um was on the phone with agents and uh, coaches and, and whatnot and just keeping very much up to date with mm-hmm. with all the moves and, and what's going on and um you know it's it, so like I said it was it was great to sort of get away but but I actually um 
I, I, I jumped right back in um, very aggressively. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's about intentionality. Yeah, I think it, so as you well. Know, it's not like to not, it, it, it's sort of to sort of very consciously say, I'm not doing this. And then when you come back to say, like, I'm back in it, yeah. you know, and then I think the problem is you sometimes you just drift through this. You're not really getting away. And then when you get back, you're not really refreshed. So, yeah, I've got a bit of an obsessive personality, to be honest, Steve. If yeah. I'm, I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it to the best of my ability and and not half ass it or, yeah. or not care. You know what I mean? It's it's just the way that I was brought up. And, um, you know, so, yeah, look, very much looking forward to 2020 with Minnesota United. It's going to be great. And, um you know, it, I'm intrigued to see what, what's around the corner, but uh, no, it was it was nice to get away for a little bit, for sure. That's good. I'm going to throw a firebomb out there right now. So hot right now. Uh, we have talked about Kansas City and barbecue before. I have been to um, four spots, I believe now at this point, um, in Kansas City mm-hmm. and tried a lot of barbecue there. Uh, have enjoyed a lot of it. Don't. Uh, Q39 is, Don't one, do this. is one of my faves. Don't do this. Um, absolutely. I went to Austin this past week. And I had the best barbecue I've ever had in my life. Lies. Uh, Franklin Barbecue <laughs> in Austin. I, I did the advanced scouting for next year when Austin comes into MLS. So okay, you well, got to bring good. me on the road. Okay. Franklin Barbecue, I went there on a Wednesday uh, and it, they open at 11 a.m. I got there at 1140 and I waited for an hour and a half in wow. line. Uh, they open at 11 and they, they sell food until they run out. And they usually run out like in the middle of the afternoon and then it's just closed. Um, and I had this brisket that was the most incredible thing I've ever put in my face. It was just amazing and it was worth it. I would have waited twice as long to get it. it really? It is, they cook it for 18 hours, wood smoke, oak, uh, no gas, no charcoal, no anything like that. Um, it is beautiful meat that is, is completely tender and the crust is super flavorful. The fatty parts are just melt in your mouth. Delicious. It was amazing. Um, now there's a lot that Kansas city has going on. That's, that's really good. I've tried a lot of different things. I've had some great rib tips there and things like that. I just think that this brisket has given me a new, I'm like, this is what I want out of barbecue. And so it's helpful because I think when I, you know, if I go back to Kansas city, I'll be looking for like, well, you know, what's your brisket stuff? I didn't even, I didn't even use any barbecue sauce. It's like, you don't need anything. Wow. <laughs> it's, it's incredibly good. So the gauntlet's been thrown Kansas city. Okay. Well, so what we're going to have to do is we're going to have to have you come to Kansas city again, and we're going to have to try and find something better because, exactly. because, um, that is uh, an outrageous statement that there's better barbecue uh, than there is in KC. I think so, Central Texas is throwing down. Right hey, now, look, so. man, I mean, if, if there is something out there that's better than Kansas City barbecue, I am all for it. I all can't right. wait to try it. So, um, first of all, we need to pay you a scouting fee. Well done. <laughs> exactly. Um, and uh, when Austin come into the league uh, yeah. next season, we'll we'll go there. And, we got we got to go. You got to go. Sounds it's, great. It's, it's amazing. Apparently on Saturday mornings, they also have beef ribs apparently on the weekend, which I missed out on. But uh, th- apparently on the, on the weekend mornings, you can wait like four hours, basically. You show up at 8 o'clock and you're like, you got to be wow. one of the first people in line. Uh, and there's a lot of other good barbecue down there as well. Uh, there's some, okay, there's some pretty average barbecue. We went to Stubbs, which is a great venue, music venue there, and had barbecue there. It was better than like Famous Dave's for people who are in Minnesota here, but not that great. It was okay. Okay. Well, um, we will let you lead the way next season. All right. Sounds good. (laughs) All right. So let's get into it. Just to catch everyone up on where the team is right now and where things are headed. Last week, uh, players came to Minnesota for a week of training camp where they did things like fitness tests, small-sided games to get familiar with each other, nothing super serious, nothing tactical, and then conditioning. They were doing two a day some days. Uh, They've now headed to Melbourne, Florida, I believe, um, 
for a couple of weeks of training and games are going to play against, you know, some colleges and things like that, just sort of scrimmages, really. Uh, they then come back to Minnesota for some more training uh, before heading to Portland to participate in a preseason tournament against other MLS teams, which that tournament's been going on for a number of years. It was not held last year because of the construction, I believe, on Providence Park. Uh, but they played in it a couple years ago. Mm-hmm. So, uh, And then the season starts March 1st, again against the, the Portland Timbers. So uh, just to... You know, if anybody hasn't been obsessively paying attention to where we are in the schedule, that's where we are. So let's talk a little bit about training camp. I just wanted to sort of run over uh, some of the new additions. Uh, you know, we've gotten our chance to go to training camp, talk to some of these guys, uh, you know, watch watch them playing. Uh, I don't know how much you can really draw from, from watching training at this point. But um, let's start with Tyler Miller who's obviously been uh, one of the big additions uh, this season. Uh, and I wanted to start by saying that I'm going to be tremendously sad to see Vito Minone go. Uh, I also feel like, well, let me start by saying that I think Vito was in a lot of ways, the heart and soul of the team. Um, I think that obviously Ozzy Alonso delivered that Ike delivered that as well. Uh, for me personally, I really enjoyed talking to Vito all the time because he had the soul of a poet. He, he loved life. He wanted to embrace it. I feel like he would punctuate most of the questions you asked him by saying, like I'm here to play the game and connect with people and it's beautiful to be out there and to be playing with your team and to connect with the fans. He always came back to that. He had a lovely way of putting things. Uh, and I think that his work off the field with, within the team uh, was just as important as what he did between the sticks. Like I think that his, the way he tied together the, the, the Euro guys, like I think Jan is a new arrival, uh, Roman, uh, Metnair, uh, he was sort of the nexus of that group of guys. Like Robin, when Robin Ludd came over, I think he sort of pulled those guys together yeah. and he was kind of a ringleader amongst that group and, and drew in chase was also became sort of part of that Euro group, even though, you know, he's, he's, he's from, from America, but, uh, you know, he was, a, he loved playing soccer tennis. He and Jan had some great battles, uh, in soccer tennis. Um, but I feel like the team did just about everything they could to keep him reasonably, yeah. uh, without sort of mortgaging the future. Uh, they, the first offer they made him would have made him the highest paid goalkeeper in MLS, uh, which he was already, I think the third highest paid mm-hmm. last year. And then they upped it. And then he, he didn't take that as well. And I think there's just a limit at which you say, you know, if you look at teams with really high paid goalkeepers, I think that a good goalkeeper is extremely important. Obviously I'm not totally certain that a good expensive keeper who takes up an international slot is the best investment overall. Um, you know, with information we now have about contracts, um, you know, as reported by the athletic Miller's contract is for 300 K, which is about half of what Manone made last year. And he was looking for a bump up from 594 K. So, you know, I'm going to miss Vito, but I'm like, this seems to make sense on a, in a lot of directions for the team. Yeah. A couple of different things on this. And, and I agree with everything you've said there, Steve, it's unfortunate, but unfortunately this, this is just football. It is what it is. And, um, you know, wish Vito all the best, uh, lovely guy, really got to know him, especially when you're traveling on the road. I remember, um, one of the, the first games last season uh, in uh, San Jose, I ended up uh, bumping into him uh, in a hotel bar after the game and, and we had a couple of beers and, and um, spoke about English football and, mm-hmm. and European football and whatnot and, and, and got to know him quite well. And, um, you know, he was um, he's a really good lad and, and I hope he gets whatever it is that he wants out of wherever he goes next. Um, I, I would not be surprised at all if he if he ends up elsewhere in Europe, not necessarily in England. Um, but I think, unfortunately, 
Um, this is one of the things about Major League Soccer right now is that I think Vito was, uh, as many players have fallen victim to, the, the, the salary cap and, and, and the restrictions that you have when you put together an MLS roster. Because if there's no DP slot, if there's no salary cap, and I'm not suggesting we should be rid of this, by the way, but um, if those restrictions aren't there, then Vito Manone is, is still a Minnesota United player. Um, because the, the ownership group here and, and um, everybody else who makes financial decisions... Um, I don't think would have had any problem giving him what he would have wanted. But the simple fact of the matter is, is he would have taken up a designated player spot, yeah. as you mentioned, an international roster spot. Um, and I just think the team have other plans for those spots um, and very well thought out plans as well. Um, so, look, Tyler Miller um, is a good goalkeeper. Yeah. Um, probably thinking off the top of my head, probably the best young American goalkeeper in Major League Soccer. So to go out and get him, I think, shows just, just where they are. He's, yeah. To, to sort of categorize that young, that youth. Yes, yes. Vito which is, is young 30, for a goalkeeper. Yeah, Vito is 31, mm. um, which goalkeepers can obviously play, you know, well into their 30s. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, to, to get a keeper at 26, which is like you begin to enter your athletic prime and probably are a little ways away from sort of your goalkeeping prime. Yeah, absolutely. And and, and I think so if, if Tyler Miller looks after himself and, and, and he's lucky with injuries, then there's no reason he can't be a Minnesota United's goalkeeper for the next 10 years if he does well. Um, I know he has ambitions to, to go to Europe, which, fine, no problem. Um, there's a lot of players that do. Um, so I'm interested to see how it goes for the next couple of years. But, um, you know, Tyler Miller, I've, I've met him a few times now and, and seems like a very nice individual. Oh, yeah, um, great guy. And I think we're not going to have any issues working with him. But, um, yeah. you know, yeah, as I say, it, it was a real shame that it didn't work out with, with Manone. But, um, you know, as I said, unfortunately, it's it's just one of these things that um, when you're in this league, um, you have certain restrictions. And um, Minnesota United have got uh, other other plans for, for those spots that I mentioned earlier on. Um, and and we... we Wish Vito all the best. Lovely guy. And, um, you know, I, I hope to bump into him again at some stage in the footballing world. Yeah. Um, also with Miller, like you said, great to talk to. Um, big humanitarian, uh, sort of uh, along, sort of along lines of Matt Lamson as a goalkeeper who we had a couple of years ago. He's been personally affected by uh, cancer. His uh, brother's, um, I think now wife or, you know, a fiance at least. I can't remember exactly where they are in that relationship right now. Um, but uh, she dealt with brain cancer, is now cancer-free. His father is battling lung cancer right now. Uh, and he's keenly interested in working on that stuff. Very big in kick childhood cancer. Awesome. Um, was LAFC's nominee for Humanitarian of the Year, essentially, when, when Matt Lampson won it. So um, it does a lot of work in the community that way. Very genial, uh, nice guy. I think that fans are going to love that about him. Uh, has experience with the U.S. men's national team, yeah, um, yeah. which is which is big. Arguably, arguably played for the best team in the league last season. Um, in terms of the regular season, there were supporter shield winners. Uh, and I think in, in goal, I was just, there's a good article on the athletic, uh, that I was just looking at, which I am now forgetting who wrote, but I am, I don't have it open anymore. Okay. Anyways, um, (laughs) if you go to the athletic and look under, uh, MLS, you'll find it, but, uh, very, very sanguine about, about Tyler Miller's potential. Um, he has, He's a very aggressive keeper, a, a little differently than Minone often plays out of his goal. We saw that sometimes yeah. playing for LAFC, um, which 
you know, that there's, there's positives and negatives to it. Essentially, um, you know, on the positive, he can, he can cut off plays earlier. It gives the defense a little bit of a, uh, a cushion in the sense of like those defenders can play the space in front of him. They don't, they're not, you know, he can cover a lot of ground. He's six, four, he's big, um, also leads to some miscues where he's out of net and, and maybe not as well positioned as you'd like, but is this article made pains to point out you want aggression and that in a young goalkeeper that, that as he gets better at judging the game over time, that will get better. Um, also very good with his feet. He had a 79.2% completion percentage on passing last year, which was second highest in MLS. Uh, for what it's worth, Vito had the fifth lowest passing percentage. And I know that passing from playing the game out, playing out of the back, goalkeepers can work with their feet. This is the thing that Adrian uh, and the rest of the coaching staff are interested in. It's sort yes. of the modern approach for goalkeeping. So, and again, that age 26, he's got a lot of, he's got a lot of mileage left on his, on his, a lot of tread left on his tires. Yeah. Does he have tires? I got no, I mean, he's got <laughs> cleats, but no, I, I agree. And as you mentioned as well, earlier on, Steve, he's making what $300,000. So all of that money that was set aside yeah. for, um, for Manone or, or another goalkeeper, um, is now available and, and Minnesota can go and get somebody else, you know, and spend a lot more money, uh, elsewhere. But, um, Every time I've watched Tyler Miller, I thought, you know, this goalkeeper is going to be around for a long time. And, um, you know, I, I was surprised when, when I saw that we had gone for him and had heard that we were we were um, attempting to get him in. Um, but look, as I say, I, I think um, with the back line that we're assuming is going to be in front of him next year, because I can't imagine the back four will, will change a lot at all yeah. from, from what we saw last season. Um I, I think it's it's a very solid unit moving into 2020 and, and, and the rest of the team we can speak about later. But in terms of, you know, the back four and the goalkeeper, I, I think it's um, it's very, very solid for Minnesota. Yeah, speaking of that uh, sort of defensive part of the field for the team, uh, James Musa, uh, who came from Phoenix uh, uh, Rising. Yes. yes. I'm getting confused because there's so many Phoenix teams because he also played for Wellington Phoenix in New Zealand. Mm-hmm. Um, I like him a lot just as a dude. A guy being a dude. He was, he's very fun to talk to, uh, like all Kiwis, apparently, huh. um, just very laid back, uh, fun, uh, you know, charismatic, uh, easy to talk to you guys. Uh, I'm not sure exactly where he slots in sort of given the depth of where the, the team is right now. He's not, doesn't seem to me to be a day one starter in this, in this lineup, but you know, we've seen how important depth can be. You saw that last year and that this is a thing that's going to be needed down the stretch and that, you know, Adrian either shown, you know, a willingness to let players prove themselves and then, you know, stake their claim and stick in there. He started as a center back, um, in New Zealand, uh, has moved around. Some has played fullback, uh, has now mostly been playing in the sort of number eight role, um, sort of box to box. Um, but you know, he's got Hassani Dotson, Jan Gregush and, um, Ozzy Alonso ahead of him right now, sort of in that, that sort of midfield area. Um, but he's, you know, he's 27, uh, again, sort of a good age, like in entering that athletic prime, he's big. Um, I think he's six feet or over six feet, maybe a little bit, six one or something like that. So, um, I like him. I like him a lot. And I like having those kind of pieces. You look at guys like, uh, Lawrence Olam last year who, you know, didn't start a lot of games, but could play that center back role, could play that defensive midfielder role. There were moments last season when he absolutely made the difference down the stretch when you needed somebody in that position. Um, so, you know, I'm hoping for the same from, from James essentially. Yeah, it was a good pickup actually. I I was first made aware of James Musa when he was at Fulham in the premier league. And, um, Unfortunately, he didn't get any game time, but um, I think there was a changing of coach from from what I can remember, um, which uh, meant you know he he, he didn't get in um, into the first team fold, 
Um, so nobody really saw him play too much, which which meant he ended up going back to New Zealand. And um, then all of a sudden, um, to my knowledge, uh, a scout in uh, a scout from Kansas City saw him play, and that's how he ended up at Swap Park Rangers and then Kansas City, and then obviously he went to Phoenix Rising, as you say. Um, for me, uh, Musa is somebody you bring on when you're two on up with 20 minutes to go. Uh, if you want to hold, um, mm-hmm. if you're on the road, for example. Um, it's a little deeper than an eight. I would consider him more of a six, yeah. a deep-lying. Um, I think at MLS level, certainly. I think. Yeah, I think he's um, he, he he drops back and dictates, and he's got a tremendous ping and a delivery, if you will, and um, plays a direct ball very, very well indeed. And, and, and we saw some of that in, in training over the last week. Um, and then, as you mentioned as well, he can play centre-half as well. He's done it before. And um, so essentially for me, he's 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 somebody who you always put on the match day roster because right. he can play various different positions uh, yeah, and covers utility, a lot of ground. Utility player. You can, you can you know, like you're saying, pull pull an attacker, add him into the, the midfield, and he can drop between the centre-backs, you yes. know, like things like that. So Or he can... You can full on make him a third center back if you want to. Yeah, you could do. Yeah, he's it, look a good good addition, um, and and I'm interested to see. You know, he's he's not going to start 20 games to my um, knowledge and my opinion, but um, he, he's a good good squad player to have. Yeah, uh, let's start to touch on Marlon Harrison, uh, who came over from Houston. Um, I spoke to him briefly this past week. I'll have something on him later on this week uh, with with that interview. Um, you know, kind of a quiet guy. Uh, but, you know, plays a bunch of different positions. Uh, I remember him hurting Minnesota United when he was playing for the Colorado Rapids early on in Minnesota United's uh, uh, run in 2017. Yes. Back when he had a lot of dreads, um, which he he said he came into the league with those dreads. He sort of felt like it was sort of this is his, his sort of brand. You know, athletes have to think about, you know, how they're perceived. It certainly stood out. When he went to Houston, he cut them partly because he was like, I need, I need a fresh start. And also it's really hot. <laughs> So I don't know if he's going to grow the dreads out again now that he's in, in Minnesota. But um, again, it's sort of one of those utility players, like a guy you can see making that, that, that match day roster because you can put him in, you know, in fullback positions, you can put him into the, the midfield, you can put him in as a winger, you know, mm-hmm. he's, there's, there's a lot of flexibility there. Yeah, absolutely. You're, you're right. I've seen him play um, all positions that you've just mentioned. I've even seen him play central midfield as well. I think he may have even started out as a central midfielder. Um, but yeah, when he, Played for the Rapids because that's what I've mostly seen him. I know we got a, a glimpse of him last year for the Dynamo, but um, he, he's he's always been high in energy. He's always provided something. So I think we'll more than likely see him uh, as a fullback mm-hmm. for Minnesota. Um, and uh, again, somebody though who I think will will more than likely be on a lot of match day 18, just because as you mentioned again he can play a lot of different positions. Um, pretty quick, good delivery. Um, and uh, he's got a feisty nature about him as well. So again, uh, a good pickup. Obviously, was involved in the, the trade with Darwin Quintero. Um, I, I thought that was a, a, a good price for for Minnesota to sell and, and get Marlon Harrison a part of the, the package. Um, so again, yeah, look, good good depth because you know Minnesota have got a, a lot of games to play in, in 2020. Yeah, and with and if you look at the fullback position with both. Um, Romain Matinier, you know, as a national team player for Madagascar and then uh, Chase Gasper making the, you know, the, the travel roster for the U.S., which is also tremendous. And yes. congrats to him for that. You know, you've got two guys at those positions who might not be around depending on when, you know, people get called up and things like that. So you're going to you're going to need guys to fill into those positions. Yeah, absolutely. Marlon Hairston will, will absolutely 
fit that role, as you say. So, um, like I said, he's, he's good. He's quick. Um, recovery speed is very good as well. So I, I, I like him as a player. And uh, like you said, it, it, it was a, a part of a good package for Minnesota. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm excited to see how, how much he actually plays this year and what he can contribute. Yeah. Uh, so one, one other addition, which I feel comfortable talking about now since we just announced it, is uh, Luis <laughs> Amaria. Uh, so, you know... It seems like he'll be a good player. Um, a little information for you. He's he's a TAM player on loan with an option to buy, so uh, not taking up a DP slot. Um, but uh, plays forward, good size, six feet tall. Uh, he's just been on fire this past season. Right, he's playing in uh, Velez Sarsfield in the Ecuadorian Serie, Serie A. I don't know how to pronounce that in Ecuador. Well, he, he, so he was playing for Catolica, in, Catolica. In, um, <clears throat> in Ecuador, and he was on loan from Velez from okay. Southfield uh, right, in Argentina. Right. But he's... Um, 19 goals in 24 matches. Yeah, he's he's done well. And I, I've been watching a lot of tape because this, I mean, seems like this deal got done a while ago and uh, or it was allegedly done a while ago and we've yeah. sort of been been waiting and... Um, you know a thing or two about <clears throat> visas and, and things like that. So. Yes, absolutely, yes. Uh, <laughs> um, uh, but no, look, I mean, he is, um, from what I've seen, I've been able to watch a, a fair bit of tape on him now and, and what I've seen is, you know, he, he's more of a, a second striker. right. He does, uh, and and it would not surprise me at all if this if we see this a lot more from him in Minnesotan colours, um, and if this is why they've they've got him in, then great. Um, but he will drop deeper. He will drop back and look to get the ball and play off of somebody and then make a run. Mm-hmm. Um, you know. So again, I think this is why it's crucial to get a, a number ten. And I know Minnesota are, are working on that, but um, he, he is somebody who. Um, he likes to get involved. Now, I, if he's playing as the lone centre forward, I, I, that may very well drive Adrian Heath crazy. But the, the, there is a method to this, in my opinion. I think they know exactly what they're doing. Um, I'd be surprised if he was the only forward they bring in because I do think they need another one. Um, but he, he, he looks good. Um, really good header of the ball. Um, executes headers very well. Um, good finisher. Um, good composure. Good body shape seems very good every time he strikes a ball um he he just looks like a good piece to have and as you say it's a loan to buy so it's a low risk high reward as well mm-hmm. so um again as i say i'm i'm interested to see if if this is the guy um i i don't know yet but either way it, it is a center forward and and we've known for some time now that Minnesota United have desperately needed something fresh up front. Yeah. And as you said, good, a good header of the ball, six feet tall. That's another thing that Minnesota played a lot of balls into the box yes. and had trouble finishing those, those opportunities. So hopefully he's, he's helpful with that. Again, he's 24, uh, young, great age, getting a guy versus, you know, Angelo Rodriguez and Darwin Quintero, who's in their late twenties and early thirties, respectively, when they came into the team. Mm. Um, so, you know, he's a guy with, um, I talked to Mark Watson about him a little bit um, as sort of things were sort of working. Uh, mm. They were working the deal and everything like that. You know, and he sort of bounced around a little bit and then really found his his stride this season, and they really like that. They really like his work ethic. Yes, yes. Um, You know, he that's one thing that Watto just kept saying is, like, he really wants to work. He wants to get mm. out there and get the ball. He wants to put in the time. And and that's that's tremendously good. And, you know, no, no – I want to speak ill of the departed, but, you know, like, Darwin was scintillating when he was on, sure. it was hard to rely upon him to turn it on all the time, you know? And so if you're getting a guy who's a little younger, a little hungrier, 
got something to prove uh, and, you know, is, is sort of in the mold of those young promising South American players who want to use MLS as a stepping stone to something else in their career. If that's what you're, if that's what he sees here, he'll want to get out there and, and show that he can do, do it in MLS the same way he's been doing it in, in Ecuador. So yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and, and as I said earlier on, Steve, like he's got good movement off the ball as well. You know, he's um, uh, for someone who's 24, you know, he's, he's obviously in the prime of his career. Now the next couple of years, it's going to be make or break for him. And, um, I, I think, as I said, the one thing I noticed more than anything was the way he, he likes to, to drop deep and, and take a touch and play off of somebody, you know, and yeah. a lot of his goals came from from late runs where he would be involved, play it back to either the 10 or the 8 or whatever, who would then spray it out wide and next thing the ball comes in and, and Amaria's there on the end of it and whatnot, you know, and that that can cause havoc for, for back lines because if you're a centre half and your centre forward is is dropping and he's away from, um, from the 18-yard box or away from the goal, you don't know what to do. Usually, as a centre-half, you're told to, to stay in your position. So it becomes more difficult if he drops and then the ball comes from either side. Um, you, you've got to stay in your line. Yeah. And it, it's difficult then to mark because you've got to watch the the late, the secondary run from, from the centre-forwards, um, who, as I said, has dropped deeper. So I, I can see a lot of his goals coming from late runs this year. Mm-hmm. Um And as I said, the, the, the key thing for me as well now, Steve, is, is that obviously Mason Toy gives Minnesota something. He's, he's a very different centre-forward to Amaria. He's quick and, and explosive. But Amaria gives Minnesota United something that I don't think they've had for a while. Um, now the question is, is do they go out and get somebody else as well? So then you have three different centre-forwards and, mm-hmm. and ways to to perhaps mix things up a little bit. But yeah. but no doubt Amaria gives Minnesota United something they probably haven't had for a while. Yeah, I I mean, I'm I'm sort of trying to figure out... It's, it sort of sounds like that that mode of operating as a, as a, as a sort of second striker is not really, we, we've talked about Angelo Rodriguez's holdup game. And then we've talked about Mason toys, um, sort of speed, uh, and comparably, you know, formerly Abu Dunlady's like sort of getting in behind the lines and sort of cutting through those lines, sort of a la Mason toy. Um, we haven't really had that sort of, I mean, we had, Angelo dropping back to hold up, but, but not really so much the dropping back to pick it up and send oh, it back no. out immediately and then, and then dive into the box, um, which is sort of a different, you know, so that's exciting. You know, it's, yes. it's we're going to see different, different ways of, of the team attacking, which is always, which is always fun to see. Um, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. You know, we've sort of, for so long, we've sort of had this, like, well, the, you have the hold up guy and then you have like the fast guys. And we have that sort of been the, the structure, uh, you know, I, it'll be interesting to see if there is another option. I mean, it could be interesting to see uh, Amaria playing off with Mason Toy in a two-forward situation sometimes. Again, if you have one guy who's going to be deep line, he's going to mm-hmm. sort of drop back, and then you can get it, you know, out wide, and then you, then you have two strikers coming into the box off of, off of you know, from uh, wingers who are out on out, out wide. So, you know, it's... It's, it's always fun. There's always different things going on. It's one thing I talked, we had a podcast with uh, Ian Fuller last week and I talked about in MLS generally how, um, you know, in the NBA, the best players are the best players like year over year. LeBron James has been the best player in the league for you know over a decade, more or less. Um, in MLS, it sort of feels like the top 10 players in the league in consecutive years could be 16 different players. There's sort of, mm-hmm. you know, Zlatan leaves, Chicharito comes in, you know, and then within each team, you're like, you know, Tyler Miller is here, you know, like you, th- these, these changes, there's a lot of roster churn in MLS. And I think it's kind of fun um, because teams change a lot. You look at Kansas City, they bring in, you know, like a new striker. Uh, it, 
that could totally change sort of the, the, the texture of how that team plays. Oh, we will. Yes, um, which yes. is really exciting, you know? Mm -hmm. So are, is there anybody uh, coming in? I mean, we mentioned Pulido is who I'm mentioning, but like, mm -hmm. is there anybody either him or other players who have come into the league that you're really excited. For. I mean, yeah. Chicharito, we're all excited for. Well, yeah, Hernandez obviously is is the big one right now, isn't he? But but Pulido is the one for me because he can completely change the way that Kansas City play in terms of um, not completely change that. That's that's the wrong terminology. But but he certainly it'll still be for me. I mean, you know, for yeah. me, he knows what he's doing. <laughs> it's it, it certainly he's it, just simply going to make them better. Obviously, in front of goal, he was the top scorer in in Liga MX and. Um, <laughs> it's a very good league to be the top goal scorer in, yeah. you know, and um, I think his movement off the ball is really going to, really going to open up a lot of space for Kansas City. So I, I've said this, I may have even said this on, on the previous podcast, Steve, but I'll I'll say it again. For, for me, Polito will be up there in terms of, of one of the top goal scorers, if not the top goal scorer in MLS this year, in my opinion. But also what he's going to do is he's going to provide so many opportunities for I'm assuming Johnny Russell and Daniel Shalloway are going to play behind him. Mm -hmm. Shalloway had a terrible year last year. He knows he needs to rekindle himself. I think because of the movement off the ball that Polito is so good at, I think it'll provide so many opportunities for Shalloway. Um, it wouldn't surprise me at all if both him and Russell end up with um, close to, to double digits in terms of goals or assists this year, you know. And um, as I say, I thought Polito was a, a really smart signing and it's exactly what Kansas City have needed for, for a long time. The last real menace of a centre forward that they had in, in terms of a pressing forward who can open up space was, was Dom Dwyer. Mm -hmm. um, and, and don't get me wrong, you know, the players like Kyrie Shelton have, have offered a lot and, and Kyrie Shelton was, who's obviously returned to Kansas City, was was great for Shalloway and Russell again because he, he plays off the two of them. But um, I, I just think, uh, not to go into a Kansas City uh, dive here, but I, I just think that um, Polito for me will, will be a, a massive difference maker for them. And uh, I was thinking about this the other day, actually, the Western Conference this year is going to be wild. Yeah. It's going to be crazy. There's so many teams that are upgrading. Yeah. Um, it's going to be a really intriguing uh, race for the, for the postseason, for yeah. sure. Well, as, as Adrian Heath said last year at the end of the season, if you're not moving forward, you're moving backwards. Like you can't just you can't just stay the same and believe that everybody else is going to stay the same. You've no, got, we're no, already no. seeing how, how other teams are upgrading their rosters. Um, a lot of interesting stuff. Uh, Gressel going to DC yeah, is, is is very interesting. Um, I think the Montreal Impact with Thierry Henry are doing some very interesting things. They got uh, Kyoto, right? Romel Kyoto, I think, came over. Romel Kyoto from Houston. From Houston. Yes. Uh, so there's a lot of teams that you're like, oh, the Montreal Impact, they're a defensive team. Like, mm. that's probably not going to be the case this year. You know, there's just it, it's just these things can switch, and it's it's really interesting. I'm going to be interested to, interested to see what happens with Atlanta United, like, the, the, this season, because it sort of feels like I'm not exactly – they still have Joseph Martinez. They're still going to be tremendously dangerous, but – you know, to lose Gressel, who did so much for them, and he's one of those guys where, you know, he's not going to necessarily be at the top of your fantasy team. He's not necessarily going to be, like, grabbing headlines nationally. He was very solid for them in a bunch of different positions and gave mm -hmm. them something that was that was tremendously useful. So um, it's going to be, I mean, it's going to be an interesting season. I, I'm already getting excited about already it. Already excited about it, yeah. In, in terms of Atlanta there, I think if Escobar stays, maybe he fills the role of, of Gressel. Although uh, Brooks Lennon would be the obvious one for them. Right. I mean, I feel like that was already them um making a signing just in case and it was their insurance policy in case it didn't work out with Gressel and um uh, I don't know how DC are going to use him it wouldn't surprise me if they played him on the right hand side where, where he's been but for, for me if I was if I was Ben Olsen I would play Julian Gressel in, in an eight role now mm -hmm. because if you have Gressel and Canals um in the center of midfield together and and you have um 
the three players behind Ola Kamara, um, you know, the Peruvian international, they just signed, I can't remember his name, um, and uh, Ariola, and, and, and there's so many other options for DC United. But I think if they have the, the three behind Kamara, Gressel and Canals, you ask Canals to sit mm-hmm. and Gressel to, to support, I think that's mouthwatering for DC United. It really, really is. And I think that's a really smart signing. Everyone's saying, oh, you know, it's a bit expensive. You know, no, I don't. Yeah. I think it's a really smart signing from DC. And, and then in terms of, of Montreal, um, it's going to be very interesting, Steve, because I think um, I think this is Henri's, potentially his last chance of coaching in a in, in um, what people consider as a very, very good league. Obviously, it didn't work out in Monaco for him. Right. If it doesn't work out here in Montreal, I struggle to see him getting another job somewhere at, at a top level. So sure. he knows he's under pressure to deliver. He will be regardless because Joe Saputo is very demanding yeah. uh, as the owner of the Impact. But um, yeah, just all these storylines that are coming up and it, it, it's starting to, to get very exciting, isn't it? Yeah. I, I want the season now, Steve. I would love to start <laughs> right now. <laughs> I, I'll wait a little bit longer. There's a, we got some other stuff we still have to do. <laughs> but um, last thing I wanted to ask you, just uh, you know, touch to just touch base again on, on Inter-Miami and, and, and Nashville. Um, and you know, how you see them shaping up as we get closer. I mean, it's been about a month since we, we talked about them in the expansion draft and things like that, but uh, has there been anything else you've seen coming along that gives you a sense of what these teams are going to look like or how they're going to do this season? I think Miami right now, I've got a lot of questions more than answers. Um, you know, they've put together a good roster, but I actually think in terms of, an MLS-ready roster. I think Nashville have got the better team. Mm-hmm. I'm not suggesting Nashville are, are going to be great and, and high-flying and, and whatnot because I, I think, as I said earlier on, the Western Conference is going to be crazy this year and um, I'd be surprised. I think a, a great season for Nashville would just be simply making the playoffs. That's sure. awesome for them in an expansion season. Yeah. Um, but if you look at the rosters together, I, I do think that um, Nashville are, are much more set and ready for MLS because it's it's a lot more of a blue-collar roster Mm-hmm. Whereas, um, you know, Miami, they've got some good pieces in there, no doubt. But um, they, you talk of people like Kiesvetter, for example, the centre forwards, not played at this level before. Um, Juan Agudelo has got a point to prove, in my opinion. Uh, Lee Wynn is going to be 33. Um, Robles is a good signing goalkeeper, but, you know, De La Garza is getting older as well. Yeah. Roman Torres is going to be 34 this year. Um, no doubt these are all smart signings for, for an expansion team. But I wonder how long they can hold and, and, and some of the other players that they've brought in, you know, there's undoubtedly and, and obviously there is the South American influence um, and, and they're going to need time to, to settle in and, and understand how to, to play in MLS and the uh, aggressive nature of it. Whereas I think Nashville have already got that um, yeah. set in stone, you know. So, and fair play to Mike Jacobs, the GM at Nashville. Obviously, he's been thinking about this for a long time and, you know, they've made some very good signings. I think I might have highlighted and on, on this very podcast a while ago. I thought the, the Danny Lovitz signing was mm-hmm. very good. They were yep. very good in the expansion draft. And um, they'll be direct, no doubt about it. Um, but that's fine. That doesn't mean it's poor. It's effective, you know. And um, it'll be a bit rough and tumble from time to time. But again, that's okay. They're an expansion team, you know. And um, I'm, I'm just excited, Steve. I'm, I'm really looking forward to... To 2020, and uh, just want to sink my teeth into some Minnesota United commentary. Now it's been, it's been too long. The, <laughs> I, I know people will think otherwise when I say this, but for me, the off season's too long. It's been yeah. four months now since we last had a game. Yeah, it's too like it, elsewhere in the world that is ludicrous. So, um, and, and look, I don't pretend to have the answer as to how to fix it, but um, 
you know, as a commentator now, I'm, I'm chomping in the bit to, to get going and uh, very excited for 2020. No doubt about it. Yeah. Well, we'll check back in with you when it's March 15th and you have to uh, commentate a game at Allianz Field and it's freezing cold. So. I, but do you know I, I don't mind it Steve <laughs> once once you've done Stoke on a Tuesday night believe me it's it's not a problem <laughs> sure well thanks for joining us for the 89th Sound of the Loons podcast be sure to leave us a nice review on iTunes or at the very least a five star rating and follow the team on Twitter at MNUFC and Cal at CalWilliams.com and me at Steventurus Steventurus I don't even know how to pronounce my own handle. Uh, <laughs> apologies as always to Richard Wagner and remember there's only one person in this whole world like you and people can like you exactly as you are. <laughs>